Welcome to Do It With Dan, entrepreneurial philanthropist, public speaker and author, creator of the Beyond Intention Paradigm. Here is your host, Daniel Mangana. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do It With Dan. And I'm here with... (laughs) I'm here with Joel Matthew. <laughs> Joel is a relatively new connection of mine, uh, a new friend who's introduced by one of my mentors, just basically went on a rampage and connected me with some really cool people. Uh, and Joel is one of them. So without further ado, let's get on to this organic experience of me getting to know more about Joel and you guys getting to meet him too. So welcome to the show. Thanks very much. <laughs> Now um, it's early. It's early for this kind of energy. Where, where, where in the world are are you? I'm in I'm in Cabo, so uh, I think you're I, West Coast, no? I'm uh, Central, uh, Midwest, Chicago. Midwest. So you're so it's ten thirty for you, right? So I'm earlier than you. <laughs> <laughs> I like the energy. I had uh, my first coaching call was at seven forty five this morning today. So uh, nice. I've been on it a couple of hours now. So we're Chicago, we're in the Midwest. What are we doing in the world? So um, we are trying to change how higher education works and and the whole landscape of how students consume uh, content and how knowledge is transferred from the university level to the student level. And so that's what uh, I'm working on now. And that's, that's what the mission is. And then that's what we're passionate about right now. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So what makes, what makes you light up the most about what you're doing? Uh, what makes me light up the most is um, I have two founders that, um, that we started Beyond Academics with. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the founders, he has a daughter who's about to go to college, mm-hmm. and then he has a son who's going to high school. The second mm-hmm. founder has a kid that's in high school and a kid that's in middle school. I have two kids that are both um, before younger than preschool age. So for me, what what lights me up is just what is school going to look like for mm. each of our partners? And so they each have, we each have kids at different age groups, but what is school going to look like? Why has school and college and universities, why has it pretty much looked the same for the past hundred years when mm. everything around us is transitioning and adapting and innovating? And why has the cost of school gone up <laughs> adequately exponentially? And it's one of the areas with the least innovation. So for me, what lights me up is what we're doing can potentially change how the college experience looks like for my kids when they get there. So you're looking at remapping the future of education, essentially, and contributing to that. Exactly right. So by the sounds of it, legacy is an important thing for you. Is there a point in time that you became connected to this idea of legacy or is it something that naturally evolved? And I'm asking this selfishly because I have my first child on the way in the next nine weeks or so. Right. Oh man, congrats. Enjoy the next nine weeks. (laughs) (laughs) So I've got a stepdaughter who's four going on 24 Oh, should I say 14? <laughs> so I've got some rehearsed experience in the next phase, but the baby phase of definitely yeah. uh, looking forward to that adventure. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Dan. Um, on a personal level, when, when I had my first 
my, my son was born um, mm-hmm. four years ago, it just, it completely turned my way of thinking upside down. And I started thinking more about legacy and I started thinking more about how my time was being spent and how my money was being spent and how, what I was pouring into with my time and energy and what that would mean for him. And it really was a great perspective, uh, a great, yeah, just put things in perspective for me. And so that's what I'm excited about with, with beyond is, so I started my company um, 10 years ago, Matt, the other uh, partner, the the visionary, I would call him, he has 30 years of higher ed experience and, um, you know, purchased or his company was acquired. And then he's launched this, this company with us and, and the third partner as well, career visionary, you know, Ted talk uh, guy has sold, you know, thousands and hundreds of thousands of books on entrepreneurship. And uh, it's just interesting. Like, what I feel now is we, we've all built companies, but this is the one that I feel has the most impact, has the most potential for impact on legacy because this is geared at transforming, transforming the university and higher education landscape. Beautiful. So you, you said that you, along with your partners, but just talking about you, you've, you've built up companies before. So was there is there some was there something different on the front end for you going into building up this business or is that something that evolved over time um i would say it's it's been an evolution but the excitement mm-hmm. remained the same of just you know I, as an entrepreneur i always wanted to build what's next. And so for me in in the services industry, oftentimes we work with clients, they give us their vision and then we help execute it. And, you know, we bring some value to it to, to exceed their vision, but it's not what is next. It's not focused on the next five years, 10 years, 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so what excites me when we started this company and even now is that what we're planning for is what's next. It's not what is, it, it, it is related to what's currently happening, but it's really focused on the future and focused on what the future of work looks like, what the future of education looks like, what the future of the campus, the future of student experience, all what all that looks like. So you kind of as an entrepreneur you're looking at you know what's next and that from a from a pure value creation perspective i mean all entrepreneurs going to understand the idea you want to be where the the hockey puck's going right you want to stay ahead of the curve to create that value because at the end of the day especially if you're looking to to exit out and, and and move that on you need to be bringing something different but there was a new level to that difference here in the the longer term impact that you were having you felt Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, as an entrepreneur, you, you don't want to be reactive. You want to be proactive and you want to be ahead of the curve always and innovating always. But this was, um, I mean, the conversations that we're having now are just potentially, you know, changing the game for, for what the university landscape looks like. I love that. I love that. I love that. So when we're talking about uh, the calling to come and do this and how it's evolved. Do you feel that you've got more of a, uh, more of a purpose led directive in this business now? Yeah, I do. I do. I think it is purpose led um, because each of us, the three of us, we are successful in our own rights. 
And it's mm-hmm. not something that we needed to do. Mm-hmm. It's something that we believe in, something that we want to do. So it, it mm-hmm. does feel much more purpose led. Um, you know, Matt, the main founder was a partner at Deloitte and left a very lucrative um, position to, because he believed in the mission of, you know, what he was doing previously wasn't necessarily what was best for a university's investment, a university's multi-million dollar investment uh, wasn't going to be what was best for them in the future and in the long run. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of the commonality between us is none of us need to be doing this, but we at the same time need to be doing it just because it, <laughs> it needs to be done. <laughs> I'm with you. So, I mean, getting a bit more personal now, because I have this, um, I have this at home with my wife too, because I, I've got other businesses, but you know, the work that I do, the transformation work that I do, this podcast doesn't make me money, you know, but I feel really lit up at the idea of doing it. Obviously in your instance, there's a profit motive there also, but it's an expansive profit motive. But did you find there was resistance from people in your world around the idea of you going out to do something that's probably going to take a lot of time, but at the same time was something that you didn't really need to do? Uh, you know, Matt is uh, our, our partner, our founding partner. He has this example that I, I love, and he says that higher education has been a highway, and, and people are just repaving the same road over and over and over and over again. There's a pothole, there's construction, but the road is just being repaved when mm-hmm. what is needed is actually a completely new path and you have mm-hmm. to just chart a new path versus just fixing the same broken system over and over mm-hmm. again. Um, so that's really what, what, you know, lights us up. And, and so what we have found in communication or in communicating that message is higher education is, is starving for that. And, and, you know, with the time that we're in right now, they're more receptive to innovate, innovative ideas than ever because they need it because, yeah. you know, statistically <laughs> the there's, yeah. <laughs> They've got to. Statistically, there's a large percentage of universities that are not going to exist in 10 years. And wow. so it's almost that we talk about innovate or die in, in, in my industry. And like it's the, the irony here is it's almost innovate or suffer a slow and painful death. And yeah. uh, that's what road they're on. So the conversations that we've had, it's almost like a breath of fresh air because there is nobody in this space, in the higher ed consulting space, that is doing what we do. And, and that's a hard thing to say in any industry, that there's nobody else really doing what you do or saying, you know, communicating the message the way that you're communicating it. And so the clients and prospects and universities that we're talking to, they are very receptive to it. Mm. So what are some of the, the ways that you guys are, are changing the game up? in education. So, you know, it's interesting. We had this chat over the weekend of just what's our one line, what we do. And, you know, we each had a different variation of it, but the, at the end of the day, it's essentially a a higher ed think tank that's geared at transforming universities on, on multiple levels. So one of the levels is uh, next generation consulting. So it's not Mm -hmm. the normal where you send a bunch of consultants out over, overpaid and, um, you know, they're racking up billable hours. This is focused on um, something that's more achievable for universities and palatable on a budget scale and also something that's going to be more impactful from transformation. So we have something called the uh, 
uh, human-centric value um, score that we've created and developed of its ranking how human-centric uh, a university's processes are and then scaling them and then giving them recommendations on how to improve that. Um, part of it is um, thought leadership. So we have launched a podcast and we're creating amazing content and thought leadership every day and, and pushing content out there. Um, part of it is community, building up uh, tribes that are focused on the future of education and the future of X, uh, of whatever X looks like. And then mm-hmm. part of it is also an incubator. So we're looking at taking um, universities and higher ed institutions through what you would see as like a startup incubator. And and think about that, a old, stodgy, you know, bloated battleship of an industry, like we're getting them to think more like like a speedboat of how mm-hmm. they can be more nimble and agile and turn on a dime for for different ideas and so that those are the four main areas that we're uh, that we're trying to uh, to build up and, and offer to the higher ed landscape so I mean the world is changing uh, I know for example that um for some people they've been pushing this whole idea of people just doing something more functional. So there's there's people out there that have even been encouraging uh, young people who are coming to that age to look at investing in getting a skill instead, whether it's going to learn real estate or uh, I know that there was a big push in the uh, in the the financial trading markets for, for them to sort of capture the minds of the youth and say, hey, rather than spending, you know, especially in the US, uh, you know, one, you know, anything 50 to a couple of hundred thousand on an education that's going to leave you in debt, why not invest, you know, five, 10, 20,000 in your own personal development or getting a skill and then building wealth? Like how is the, in your experience, how is the, the, the further education industry responding to that kind of, kind of thing? Yeah. And, and that's exactly right the way the trend is. When I was graduating high school, it's a given. You are going to you are going to college and, and that's the the minimum. And and mm-hmm. so anything above that is great, but the minimum mm-hmm. is that you're going to college. Yeah. And so my wife is actually a high school teacher here in the inner city in Chicago. Oh, wow. And she's taught at multiple inner city schools. And it's interesting when she has asked her students, what do you guys want to be? And what do you want to do after, after you graduate? The number one thing, <laughs> actually they kind of jockey between number one and two. Number one is, be an entrepreneur because they're they see you know the the shiny objects on instagram they see mm-hmm. all these yeah. want, yeah. want to be entrepreneurs and ceos on instagram and the second is youtube stars they, they want to be youtube stars because <laughs> they know it's lucrative and they know that they can do it with a camera and a phone very simply yeah um but think about that like both of those don't need any secondary education and mm. so the the landscape is definitely changing. Just even this year, Google came out with, I think it's called Google University, where they have an eight-week program where if you're accepted and you go through this eight-week program, you're guaranteed a job at Google. And historically, that's that's a tough job to get. That's tough to even get an interview. Wow. You, you know, they take the brightest minds from MIT and, and Harvard and, and Ivy League schools like that. And that's how you get in at Google. And think about that. Rather than pay 200 grand for, for college, you could do it in, in four years. You could do an eight-week program with Google and, and be guaranteed a job. So the, the, the landscape is definitely changing. Um, school and, and education, higher ed is not a given anymore, I feel, and mm-hmm. that that is sh- shifting. So that just is even further 
that's even more um, ammo for higher ed institutions to change and adapt and be more attractive in what they're offering. And I mean, looking at that, where, where do they go next? <laughs> so where can you, <laughs> where can you go next with that? Uh, because I mean, the fact is, especially when we're looking at what's happening in 2020, which has been, it's been a year that's making us think about everything differently. Um, a lot of people have are not finishing the year with a job. Um, whole industries are being decimated. Um, those that are remaining are having to to completely change. You know, education, which has been this albatross, this big battleship, as you described. What is the speedboat option on that? Is it giving a different grade of skills? Like the world's changing so quickly now. How can they say right now they're going to be able to prepare people for a world that's going to be there in three to four years? So there. So Matt, our our founding partner, can speak more to this, but I. I you know, just being around him, I have absorbed some of his, um, some of his thoughts. And, and mm. so two of them that, that talk about this education becoming more of a speedboat is what he talks about unbundling coursework. So all of a sudden, you don't have to take this class and this class and this class and this class in a track. You can take one class in sociology. You can take one class in graphic design. You can take one class in, you know, it's just unbundling the whole um unbundling um, courses. The second is switching to a lifelong learning model. So Mm. it's no longer four years or two years and you're done and you're out. And then the school has lost their, um, you know, connection with you. Switching Mm. to a lifelong learning model is just better for everybody. I mean, that's really, truly the way we learn. I mean, how many people in your network have graduated and then started working and really you learn everything you need to learn about that job on the job. job. It's not like school is necessarily necessarily preparing you for that job. So this switching to this lifelong learning model of, okay, going back to the university and learning new skills and learning new, new things that are relevant to today. um, You know, that's, that's two ways that, that universities can really shift in, in what they're offering. Cause I mean, statistically, again, I don't know what the exact number is, but the jobs of t- tomorrow like don't even exist today. So when I, yeah. even what I'm doing right now um, in building up my, one of my companies, it, it wasn't, it, it wasn't around when, when I, when I graduated. Hmm. So what we're really talking about is the education industry being a field of preparation for the unknown of the future. Yeah, essentially, that's a that's a really good way to put it, and, and it's how it's, that's exactly the challenge too. Is is how do you plan and prepare around a complete unknown? Hmm. So, in your experience, what's been some of the 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 contribution that you found has been the most effective, not just in delivering change necessarily in the education industry, but in changing the the lives of the people that are affected by your work. I'm sorry, they cut out for a second. Can you repeat that? What have you found to be the most effective? Not even so much from the direct effect of your stuff, of your work on, on the education industry, but the people whose lives are touched by your work. What I've found really resonating with people is, is some of the thought leadership is, mm. is what we're putting out on our site and our blog and articles and case studies and podcasts. It's really fascinating to me being an outsider in the higher education space is just there is this 
there's this air of, hey, this is how we do it. This is how we've always done it. And don't ever say anything bad about it. Uh, you know, Ed is here to, here to stay. We're all, you know, you know, we, we're tenured. Our jobs are safe. Like, you know, don't, don't shake the boat. And <laughs> what I have found fascinating and really gaining a lot of steam already is just the thought leadership that we're putting out of like, hey, this is not necessarily the way that it needs to be. There's a new way. Let's, there's a new way of thinking. Let's, you know, collectively come together and and break the mold and and forge a new path like i mentioned mm. so what we're doing in that is really just dis- disrupting the thought patterns and creating space for new innovation creating space for the legacy aspect of your your change to go on because you're opening people up to the safety of challenging the status quo, being open to uh, to change with the times and actually be a changer of the times even. Exactly. I mean, think about any industry. I mean, healthcare, rapid, rapid innovation and, and mm-hmm. deployment, uh, you know, automotive and manufacturing, rapid, rapid innovation. I mean, maybe not rapid innovation, but definite innovation year over year, cars mm-hmm. get more tech and more uh, safety features and more speed and more power. You know, think about technology. Our phones are getting, our phones, our computers, our laptops are getting more connected and, and stronger every year. And, and so why has something that has been historically such a critical industry in, in, in our lives not adapted? Mm. And so that, you know, it just does bring, bring the need for a new way of thinking. And that's why I think that, you know, we, we have on our, our website that, you know, it's just, we couldn't have planned this any better for COVID to hit, to have universities in a panic and just needing to re- rethink all of their per- Perfect timing. Like, Thanks, it, COVID. Yeah, exactly. I and mean, it's one of those silver lining things where we've been planning this for a year and then COVID hit and we're just like, yep, this is exactly what we've been talking about. Hmm. And this is, uh, you know, this is the right time for the message to go out. Brilliant. What are some of the ways that your work's helped you personally? Being amongst this in the space of this this thought leadership, seeing all of this change, how has it how has it supported you? Um, and, and again, I, I preface this with I'm an outsider to higher education. You know, I have just I've gone to university and got, done like certificates and things like that. But what's really been eye opening to me and helpful to me is just that everybody's doing the same thing, and mm-hmm. now we finally have an opportunity or our creating that narrative that there's a different way, there's a new way that there's a different way of thinking. So that's really what has been um, the most eye-opening and, and insightful for me is just to, we're all, <laughs> I don't want to say we're the, the guys on the street corner holding the sign, you know, preaching out there, but um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a unique message and the innovative, um, you know, chancellors and presidents and, and um, decision makers at universities are, are getting it and, and really taking hold of it. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, what are some of the things that you would like to see change that you found resistance to? Have you, have you had like those aspects of the industry that are just completely resistant and not open to change? Um, yeah, I mean, just even, even something as simple as the way procurement happens of it's, um, you know, six month process or three month process or eight month process to make a decision and just the red tape and just, it's impossible to innovate when you have, you have to get 
four people to sign off on something and it takes four weeks to get approval on something. Um, so that's one area that we're seeing is there is definite resistance there of, you know, the old way is, you know, I, I, I'll give you an example. I, uh, we submitted an RFP for uh, a digital marketing program for a university here in Chicago mm-hmm. and they, and we've done multiple of these, but this one was funny to me because they wanted us to hand deliver or at least send out flash drives. So individual flash drives, most of them want you to print it out and send it over or, or some, you know, the more quote unquote innovative guys will have you email it or upload it to a, a portal. These guys wanted us to download it and save it to five individual flash drives so that they could take it and put it in their computers and load it and, and share it that way. And I was just like, this is just completely backwards. First of all, that just is so unnecessary. And, and second of all, there's a major, uh, security risk with doing that and but it's just the way that they've done it they've done it that way forever that's their policy um so one resistance we're seeing is just like there are just policies in place that um guys just are comfortable with and they're adhering to and they're just kind of going through the motions but you know we're, we're fortunate the ones that are 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 heeding our message early are just very much like, okay, whatever you need, let's get it done. Let's move quickly. They're more of the forward thinking, the speedboat type of, uh, type of guys. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, is there anything that you feel from your work would be especially good for people to take away as a thought shift that they can bring into their everyday life, not necessarily even in the education industry, but in their business and in their life. Some, lessons or some advice that you've you've garnered on the journey of you building up this 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 business that that would support them yeah and and i'll uh piggyback on a a message that i just gave um to an entrepreneurship class um at a university that i typically do uh do a class at each year um this year you know rather than go on campus and teach the class we were just asked to submit it via video obviously for covid everybody's remote and so i took it as an opportunity to pivot my message um as well versus the standard of what i usually talk about and the message is really just seeing this time as an opportunity and you know obviously it's a challenge and it's something that you know the world has never seen or at least in our lifetime haven't 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 seen but seeing it as an opportunity for innovation and for how can you add value to your community to your family to your business to your you know, wherever you are, to your city where you live, um, this isn't a time for us to be brainstorming and being creative and finding more, finding problems. So, I mean, think about the PPE industry, the personal protective equipment, like Mm -hmm. masks and gloves, like it's huge right Mm -hmm. now, obviously because it's needed, but you know, a year ago, two years ago, who would have thought that, yeah, exactly. It wasn't there. So that's, you know, my challenge in, in what I'm preaching is just this is a time for innovation. This is the time to really focus on how we can innovate and how we can get better versus doing the same thing over and over again. Love it. Love it. Love it. Where can people find out about you? We're going to pop some links in the show notes, but where can people find out about the work that you're doing? Yeah. So they can uh, find us at beyondacademics.com. It's beyondacademics.com. And so you'll see more about what we do and you'll see, um, definitely check out the news, the insights page, um, where we have our blog and our thought leadership. And I think that that's really relevant stuff there. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. It's been a pleasure to connect with you. Um, looking forward to seeing the ways that you continue to change the game uh, and how people start applying this into their own lives. Guys, make sure that you connect up, check in, uh, don't, 
right off the idea that uh, Joel and his team are working just with education, the idea of thought leadership and being open to uh, the unknown, I think is something that we can all learn from and take something away from. So be sure to uh, go ahead and follow the blog, follow these guys, and let's see where we, t- where we are in a couple of years' time. Who knows? Who knows where the world is going to be? But definitely be more people out there challenging the status quo so that we can all live more abundant, joyful, purpose-driven lives. Thank you for listening, guys. Be sure to subscribe if you're not a subscriber already. Share this with someone that needs some 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 support around the idea of, of opening up to the unknown and bringing some change and expansion and innovation into their lives. Until then, keep dreaming with your eyes open. Remember, you can consciously choose a more abundant, joyful, purpose-driven life. And we look forward to connecting with you again next time. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Duo with Dan with your host, Daniel McGenna. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit dmpotv.com. We'll catch you on the next episode of Do It With Dan. Dan.